Under Ruse. Oh, look behind you. It's the Billion Dollar Movie Club. Right behind you, landing on top of that car. Whoa. Whoa. Hello, welcome to this week's episode of the Billion Dollar Movie Club. Each and every week we look at movies that made a lot of money and we go, ooh, this is money. Better spend it here than on a war, like a civil war. <laughs> I am your host as always, Christian Masinson, and with me is... Juan Meta. Hello, Juan. How are you doing today? I'm all right. Doing all right? You know what, though? I'm not, I'm not happy with you. You know Why? Whoa, because gosh. we're in a civil war. Oh my god, <laughs> that's crazy. What is this film we're talking about this week, Juan? We're talking about Marvel Studios' Captain America: The Civil War. Um, I don't. And know today, word, I'm angry the. at you. I don't know if the word <laughs> "the" is in the title. Whoa, whoa, whoa! You calling me out on yeah. the name of this movie? We we are in not in a truce. <laughs> I'm not signing your paperwork. Oh, man. I have a lot of paperwork. Well, I got to get it all done by May 6th, 2016, the date that this film premiered in the U.S. and Canadian markets with a budget of $250 million. It's opening weekend. It opens to $179.1 million at the time, the fifth highest grossing opening weekend domestically. It was number one at the box office for two weekends until it was dethroned by, by, by the Angry Birds movie. What they made a, a sequel to that one, too. They made a sequel, which for at one point was the highest rated anime, uh, video game adaptation of a movie on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. What, a... what do you mean? for? Isn't it still? I want to say Sonic or Detective Pikachu may have dethroned it since. I mm. don't remember. But that's not the movie. We're talking about Captain America Civil War to cross $1 billion at global box offices. A press release from the Walt Disney Pictures Company Studios place from May 20th, 2016. Marvel's Captain America Civil War will cross the $1 billion global mark today on only its 24th day of global release. Captain America Civil War is also Disney's 10th billion dollar release out of the 25 films that reached the milestone in the history of the industry. By the way, uh, that what what year did this movie come out? 2016. Uh, 2016. I just wanted to note that, like, uh, I think there's like four or five movies right, that four. reach a billion this year, right, and all, all of them Disney. are Disney. <laughs> all Disney. Hey, Juan, get ready for 2019, where all but it's I think it's nine films made a billion. All but uh, seven of them are Disney, and eighth is Spider-Man Far From Home. <laughs> Disney, you're taking Isn't over. the ninth one Aquaman? <laughs> ninth one. Other DC movie, Joker. It's a juxtaposition of where we are as a society, where Disney makes all the movies, but then a movie like Joker is up there as well. Captain America Civil War would go on to gross 408 and ooh, take two. Captain America Civil War would go on to make 408 million dollars domestically and 1.153 billion worldwide. At the time, it was the 18th highest grossing domestically and 12th worldwide. Currently sits at 33 domestic and 22 worldwide. But one meta. Mm -hmm. What happens in this particular film? So 
we open on Captain USA boy being like, we got to get the neo-Nazi. He's going to do the bad thing. <laughs> and then they're like chasing him down. It's like, oh no, he's got a bomb. And then Scarlet Witch woman just like, no, we got to stop it. And then boom, explosion, building destroyed, people dead. It's like, oh no, people dead. This keeps happening. What are we going to do about it? And then Tony shows up and is like, listen, people are angry at me that things that I've done have caused people to die. So let's just offset future guilt of that happening to the U.S. government. That's the best plan. And then Captain America, Captain USA boy is like, no, 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 Tony. We can't give up our autonomy like that. And then there's a signing, and then Panther Man is there, and then it's like, oh no, there's a bomb going off here too! And then Panther Man's dad is not here anymore. And then Panther Man's like, I'm gonna kill the man who killed my man. And then he goes after the, the guy who's Captain USA man's best bud from back in the day. And then he's like, but I didn't do it. And then Captain USA man's like, I don't know if I believe you, but like, I like you. So I'm gonna help you. So then he helps him. And now he's an enemy of the state. <laughs> and then, and then they, they, they're like, all right, we got to pick up this other dude. And then, and then uh, Iron Man's like, all right, let me get my own reinforcements. And then they meet at an airport and they go pew, pew, pew at each other. And then Captain USA man's like, all right, peace. And then he goes, finds the dude who's actually behind it all. And then Tony Iron Man boy chases after him. He's like, I believe you now. And then he, and then the real man behind it shows them a clip, uh, just just a brief footage of thing that makes Iron Man angry at the guy who didn't do the explosion and it's a fight. That's the movie. You said it starts off with Captain America, but really it starts off with a flashback. Are you ignoring that? <laughs> Which flashback? It's like it. There's like. The Bucky killing Iron Man's parents happened. Like, they show it three times. Oh, too yeah. much of a flashback. Anyway. That's um, fine. <laughs> I've, I'll be honest. I like this movie. <laughs> I like this movie. I rewatched the entire trilogy, uh, Captain America trilogy, uh, for preparation of this week. Really fucking weird because there's, there's so much in between that's covered in the other movies that it's kind of disorienting, jumping from cap to cap to cap. Um, but I, I really enjoy this one. I think this is my favorite of the three caps. Um, there was a point in time where I did think this was my favorite, but like watching it this time, I'm just so tired <laughs> of, of just these interconnected universes where it's like, oh, we're going to introduce things here that are going to be more important later and like you don't need to it's we're setting things up as opposed to like just telling a cohesive story just is there itself. a lot of i think there are glaring uh points of that in something like spidey i think you could say that with black panther 
Um, maybe even Ant-Man. Ant-Man's kind of just thrown in there. But those characters, although they get a good like three, five minute chunk of attention on them, I think they're minor parts of the story as a whole. I mean, even in terms of just the overall plot itself, you can't watch this film in isolation without knowing anything else. How is that different from like the eighth episode of a TV show? Yeah, but that's not why I go to watch two and a half hour movies, Miss Simpson. <laughs> no, that's fair. That's a fair point. It's, it's. I don't know. I think whether you like it or not, these movie, the Mar- the Marvel Cinematic Universe is a different beast of itself. Speaking speaking of television, though, yes. Um, man, was this shot like one? <laughs> go on. The, the action scenes, the amount of cuts. I I I was just I just wanted them to stay on like so, these moments, but like no, you can't actually see the action. So so uh, let's let's point out this is directed by the Russo brothers, um, best known uh, for their Marvel movies. Now they've done Winter Soldier, Civil War, uh, and uh, Infinity War and Endgame. For that, best known for stuff like Community, Arrested Development. I'd argue because of Arrested Development and really what they've done there, some of the most mo- notable directors of the century. Uh, but yeah, it is. I feel like that's the big argument people make about the action in the Marvel movies is the amount of cuts. And I thought it worked very well in Winter Soldier, even though that's my personal least favorite of the three, which I think is an unpopular opinion. But it worked there because it, that, that uh, film is trying to give you the sense of paranoia uh, paranoia and uh, uncertainty and kind of uh, you're not really sure what's going on. And so it's it's disorienting a bit in, in that. And I don't think that worked as well in this one. In I, this one, you know what it really reminded me of? Hmm. Have you ever seen that clip in isolation from Taken 3 no. where it's just Liam Neeson climbing a fence and there's like 13 shots to do this nine-second clip? <laughs> no, but I gotta watch this now. I gotta watch this now. <laughs> I what what bothered me with the action in this movie was the shakiness of the camera, but I found that more prevalent early on. Um it's not like I think of the 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 quintessential moment of this movie is the airport fight, right? Yeah, but see the thing is one thing I'm starting to really notice with these Marvel movies is that the most iconic moments from it are just people standing and looking at each other. Are because they? when they actually show the action, nothing you can't keep it in your mind because it keeps cutting. There's nothing really there to hold on to mentally. I, I point to the final fight between Iron Man, Bucky, and Cap. Okay, there was like There's- a good 45 seconds where it showcases what this movie could have been like if it did have better, like, shot composition for its fights. But is, is that something I realized watching this movie in particular, right? Because you mentioned it, you, you, it's hard to jump into this without previous knowledge of any of the other movies. And I feel like you come to the MCU specifically for the spectacle. You're told there's going to be superheroes fighting etc but you end up staying 
for the characters. All right, let's get into that. (laughs) So, yes, there are these large spectacles where everything is happening. That's what grabs people. But then Mm -hmm. I think you stay for the characters, which I guess you want to dig into more. Let's talk about Iron Man. I'm still upset. (laughs) It's I think if you take out Ultron, it works. There's a hesitancy from him in early on in this movie to wear a suit. He has the one on the hand as a precaution, a precautionary thing. But even in being Natasha's like, hey, did you bring a suit? And he's like, yeah, I have a but Tom you Ford can't suit. have it both ways. Because what? this is a movie where you do need to watch them all to like really oh, no, no, get no, no, invested no. in the characters. I'm not saying you should skip Ultron, which actually you probably should. But I'm, I'm saying. All right, go on, go on. You explain your problems with Tony again. The thing is, it it feels like they really don't know what to do with him, like How long so? term at this point. How so? Because like, it feels like in a sense he keeps going through the same character arc, or like he's in this movie specifically, he is positioned more as like the bad guy. Yes. What but is it the also re- feels like? What is the repeated character arc? from Ultron onward where it's like oh I really messed up I need to make this right and in doing so he keeps fucking up is not how is his arc in this similar to Ultron never mind no, I'm, uh, gonna, no, 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 I, I'm just going to drop it because I can't think of like further explanation of that right now. <laughs> Ultra, Ultron is him trying to plan for the future and then realizing that it's impossible to, to plan for what you don't know, right? And then he ends up creating their own enemy. In this one, it's him wanting to, to remove the Iron Man uh, responsibilities as much as he can, but realizing that no... No, it's not better in anyone else's hands. On on a on a on a on a beat level, it's oh, I'm I have I made this decision, and we have to follow my everything. Oh, I'm wrong. But is that not just the character of him being an asshole with his ego being larger than anyone else's? Maybe, but like we were talking about how you really can't watch this movie in isolation. Yeah. Going toward. Um, like Spider Man, the spider for a Spider Man movie, Homecoming, yeah. Um, it does feel like he's like a uh figure to look up to, which in this movie it establishes you really shouldn't be. And even in the scenes with Spider Man, it kind of sets up that dynamic, but like. Uh, you, you can't say, oh, he shouldn't be a figure to look up to. It's bad that people look up to them. No, no. I mean, just like in terms of, I get why S- Spider-Man would do that. But like, it feels like the movie itself is not aware of Tony's shortcomings in that one. Civil War? Homecoming. Well, at this point, I'm talking about Homecoming. But like, Well, is, isn't Spider-Man a- also unaware of Tony's shortcomings? That's the Spider-Man movie from Spider-Man's point of view. 
I'm also I haven't watched Homecoming in years, so I very I vaguely remember what Tony's involvement in that movie is, but like it's that movie's from Spider-Man's perspective. I don't know if because you're the main character, it's from your perspective. More so more so than any other character in that movie. I don't know. It 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 also just comes down to acting choices and decisions where like you don't really get the sense of his character in that movie being in that sort of zone. But I digress. Uh going we'll back to, to this Spider-Man movie later. Let's let's talk. I don't know. What do you want to talk about? No, I I, I genuinely think you stay for the characters. And I think it's not all perfectly handled. You know, I rewatching this. I I'm more on board with Wanda and Vision, but I think that's because I watched all of WandaVision. You know, I I Anthony Mackie and Don Cheadle are kind of just the black best friend. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. But I'll be honest, they're really cool and awesome. They and both I'm, get one. <laughs> I'm I'm excited to I this movie uh made me realize, oh, I am gonna watch Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Which I was like, no, but no, I am because because I like these characters and and this movie, I don't know what this movie is about thematically, but it is an exploration of the relationships of these that they've established. It Cap- does feel very much a product of specifically that year and the discourse that was relating to superhero movies at that time, which it was is- like, Oh, there's all this destruction in these movies. Well, do they not care about like the millions that are probably dead in the wake of their like fights? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 very odd that both DC and Marvel had Civil War and Batman v Superman come out the same year, and for a brief second they were supposed to come out on the same day. Do you remember this? <laughs> Obviously didn't. Um, but yeah, it is interesting they finally decided to hint, to tackle that at the same time. I I do think um rewatching Winter Soldier and Civil War that at this point in the MCU they're focused and grounding it in in reality. Uh. The first the first phase feels very much like setups to building to this comic booky thing, right? This big comic book event that is the Avengers. And then I think phase two kind of deepens it. And you get like Tony dealing with PTSD in Iron Man 3. You get Cap and this kind of uh, uh, political uh, paranoia in Winter Soldier. And you get Civil War of you place them in this real world. People are dying from their actions. I mean, technically, isn't Civil War the start of phase three? It is. I think phase two, phase three are kind of that... Around f- mid phase three, when you start getting your Thor Ragnaroks and your Guardians two, is when you start doing. Uh, you get to have more, more, a little more, not a lot, but a little more individuality to the movies. Hmm. Yeah. Um... And so yeah, I, I liked in this movie. Um, you you saw. Steve and Natasha's relationship get tested, which which was something that what is their relationship? So that was my thought as well until I rewatched Winter Soldier. I didn't like their relationship in Winter Soldier. <laughs> when was the last time you watched Winter Soldier? 
I mean, it's been a while, but like thinking back on it, it does also just feel rather cliche in its own right. What's cliched? In terms of like, okay, I just don't like the overall handling of the Black Widow character in the MCU overall. Okay, that's fair. Because what is her character? Uh, She is someone who wants to run away. And 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 has to figure out how to stay and 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 take part. Does that make sense? I I don't remember that really. So in the re- in in Winter Soldier, um, shield explodes. Whatever, right? Okay. What what flaws does she have, or like what sort of what informs her character? Uh, there's this past that's hidden. That we, we that slowly gets teased out, and she questions uh, if she's still a good person, if she's able to, to to. Uh... Okay, sure. What's the biggest example of her like sad past in this franchise so far? Uh, but it's she's never been the main character, so we can go through her entire backstory. Yeah, but I mean, like the fact that the main thing that we know about her backstory is she feels like a monster because she can't have children. No, 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 no. We know that she's an agent and she's done some shit in the past. Her in the Avenger movies are worse than her outside of the Avenger movies. Because I'm talking about the relationships, but then this movie brings up her and Bruce. I'm like, no! Get that away from her. That relationship is so weird with what they set up in Winter Soldier that it's like, why? Why are we going back to this? You know, I actually took a couple of notes for this movie, so I'm just going to go through those. Go on, go on. Uh, first one. That, that interrogation scene where uh, he was dangling the man above the sink. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but the blocking was so terrible in the sense that like, you could tell in the initial thoughts, when it was showing him dangling above it, his mouth was above the rim of the sink. So he shouldn't be drowning. <laughs> but then, like, when they're actually showing that, it's like, oh, nope, now he's lower. <laughs> did not notice that. Did not notice that. <clears throat> I like Which, I mean, movie. yes, it's kind of nitpicky. But, like, that's what I'm resorting to because I don't care much. But, like, also, whoever well, why did don't you the... care? Why don't you care? That's <clears throat> what I want to know. Because I'll, I'll reiterate, I feel like we're harsh on the MCU typically on this podcast. I have fun with them. I don't know what they're about. I don't know what themes this movie is, is wrestling with, but I do like the character interactions. Yeah, that's the thing. It just feels like, for me, it just feels like events happening, and then you go here and more things happen, and then you go there and more things happen. It just feels... You know what? I'm going to I'm going to piss some people off. I like that. I like that. It just feels like a more competent version of Transformers. <laughs> no. <laughs> I like a good hot take, but no. <laughs> Come on. That's an exaggeration of the exaggerated sorts. I mean, isn't that what hot takes are for? No, because sometimes a hot take is a real take. 
<clears throat> Those are the hot takes I like. Because, like, again, after Iron Man 3, I really d- just did not care about Tony Stark as a character anymore. I think he should have just left. He's um, never the main presence, though. I think he kind of is, is in this, this is one. The mo- this is the most Tony we get after Iron Man 3. Uh, uh, Ultron, I guess, right? But, like, also Captain America... I I don't I don't even know what to say about his character in this Captain movie. America, Captain America is so fucking stubborn. Of course he's Captain America. And I uh, so I never liked the first Captain America, and then Winter Soldier. I if anything, the that's the Captain America movie I enjoyed the most. Well, I, on this rewatch, I was like, "Whoa, that first Captain America is awesome." It feels yeah, so and, different, and uh, of like the first lot of movies i would say maybe even including no no maybe i don't know him and loki about equal but like that first lot of movies best established villain okay and i think i think red skull is very generic haha i'm evil i'm evil nazi i mean but like that's red skull <laughs> But, like, the way the character was set up and introduced and all that, he was a presence in that movie where it feels like for most of these Marvel movies, the villains are barely there. Oh, are we entering our Zemo conversation? (laughs) What the fuck was that character? (sighs) Who who is it? It's Daniel Bruhl, right? Who plays Zemo in this one? You know, before rewatching this, I forgot there even was like a an evil presence that like causes yeah. this to happen. Yeah, it it doesn't work well. It's it's the ideas of this person being so uh, enamored with revenge and hatred and and pain that he wants to go after the Avengers kind of makes sense. But it's such a but there's no space for it of, in this movie. No, no. Um, yeah, it's Daniel Brule playing Helmut Zim, Zim, Zemo. Zemo. Uh, he returns in uh, Winter Soldier and Falcon, or Falcon and the Winter Soldier. There's like a, I guess he dances in one episode, one episode because that's popular <laughs> on the Twitters nowadays. Um, yeah, I forgot he was in here. And he's fine in it. It's just he's he's in and out, and and again, it's one of you know the establishment of him as the villain really reminded me of television. You know why? Why? Because it had that info dump, which is so typical of like our long dramas that are like police procedurals that are like, oh, here's this thing where we know this, 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 this. Let's go get him. Are you wait info dump as in the monologue at the end? He has no, 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 I'm talking about when uh Tony is on the plane on the helicopter just looking up Zemo and is like explains his backstory. Oh, I forgot that happened. <laughs> I forgot that happened. I wanted to say something about Zemo and I forgot. What was I gonna say? I was gonna say words, but they're not. It is very me. much with his character, tell. Instead of showing, per- I, I do have a thing. question that I never thought of till at this moment. Because you're talking about he doesn't have much of a presence in this movie. 
is that not the point that he's kind of sneaking around and hidden and it's kind of in the background you get hints of it because you need to know so it pays off at the end but he's never the yeah focus. but it's not even really hints it's just like halfway through the movie they're like oh it's this guy it was him that's fair and I, here's I, I, why and here's his explanation and here's all this information we're giving to you right now that's that that's i, I generally don't know that, that's my genuine question um if I like, anything i think red skull fits into what you were just talking about more so than zemo did sure sure there's also the weird like half the movie it's like oh yeah that's a great self-portrait of me and you only see red paint and it's like they weirdly keep hinting at red skull i'm like okay come on this wasn't a good reveal i mean that was a bit tongue-in-cheek i'll give him that <laughs> um one aspect of the marvel movies that i think we officially hit we we're getting mm-hmm. there but like we're at the point where we're like every person playing any character in this movie is a big name it's really fun seeing like um so obviously you got the avengers you got your 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 uh i'm, I'm on the wikipedia page looking you got chris evans robert Downey jr scott johansson sebastian stan anthony mackie don Cheadle, jeremy renner chadwick boseman paul bettany elizabeth olsen paul rudd emily van camp tom holland etc etc right but then you get martin freeman's in here as like this weird agent he's cool um, John Slattery. He comes back in uh, Black Panther. He does. He does come back in Black Panther. John Slattery is um, uh, Tony's dad. Yeah, uh, you got Marissa Tomei. Oh, yeah. He was in Mad Men. That's yep, yep. That's why I recognize this face. He a Mad Man. <laughs> uh, Marissa Tomei is Aunt May. Don't like all the jokes about her being hot. Like yeah. you had to, you had to include that. You know what? Here's another thing about the aspect where I feel like the idea that it's focusing on the characters does not work. Going to these characters that are just briefly brought up, <clears throat> like Black Panther and Spider Man, hmm. they are focal points, but like they gloss over all establishments of like Spider Man specifically. And a bit with Black Panther. Is that not the point? At least for Peter? Honestly, it just feels kind of lazy. Because it's like, oh, we've already seen the, uh, like, backstory to his character so many times in movies. Why would we do it again? Again, it's not those, it's not their movies in this movie. You're not going to get into the history when it's not... It's 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 the intro, and then we're going to go into their history on their later... And maybe that's the wrong thing to do. Because, but again, I, I have no reason to care about that. I, I, I agree with that for Spider-Man. I think Spider-Man is so randomly tossed in there. And then there's a line where Tony's like, Oh, you, you, you brought, I don't know, uh, Hawkeye or, or Wanda in this? It's like, Tony, you took a teenager you've never met and threw him in this that doesn't make any sense at all i don't think spidey's um perfectly mixed into it he feels more forced to me than uh black panther did 
Also, spe- though, going back to uh, Captain America, hmm. so- something I found uh, personally off-putting. Hmm. He-, he makes out with the niece. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I will say he was attracted to her before he knew he was her niece. Still fucking weird. Yeah, like at that point, I I think it would be better to back off. But like, no, she's too hot, man. Also, like a week after his first love and her aunt died. Yeah. And she just says, I've been waiting so long. No, no. And I guess it's because Cap's only in the Avenger movies after this, but she doesn't show up in the later movies. Like I read, she's she does show up in uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, but like she just disappears. Just I I didn't like that, and it just and it goes back to that. It goes back to that like typical uh, like big budget movie where it's like uh, it felt like a reward sort of moment. You know what I mean? Like the guy has to get the girl. I could see that. I could see that. And it just it just did not sit with me well. Well, they don't. First off, she doesn't have to be her niece. I'm sure that's a comic thing. She doesn't have to be her niece. It's not. It's literally not mentioned in Winter Soldier. Yeah, because it's like, oh, I was keeping it a secret. You did need to do that. Secondly, there's not enough to really establish them having a thing. There are sparks, but it's never a thing between the two of them. And so this kiss feels so random. Honestly, that's what it feels like in most movies that go for this sort of thing for me. So, okay. (laughs) I will say um, it's kind of worth it for the moment of both Bucky and um, Sam going, no, smile and not. It's funny. No, it's funny. No, I just just scrap that. No, (laughs) that's funny. Also, there. There was this one moment with Rhodey's character where he was like, where like people were questioning why he signed the accords, which if we're focusing on the characters, he was always a soldier. So it makes complete sense why he would do that. Also, he was um, always just like an arm of the U.S. like military and stuff like that. Yes. So why (laughs) anyone be questioning why he would do it? Um, the black best friends got to follow their best friends. <laughs> Let's be honest. That's why Rhodey and Sam sided with their people. I don't understand why Sam is so close to Cap. Like, he had no friends before Cap or anything. <laughs> okay. Like, but, like, I don't know. I just found the idea that, like, that Rhodey might have been questioning that aspect of it just like no he he wasn't because he was that was that a popular um critique when the movie came out? i don't remember that take i don't think so because it's Brody doesn't have much of a character in this movie it's just a couple lines here and there but like those really got to me because he he was always like part of the military in the sense yeah. that like okay it would be fine he, if you see like a moment or something where he is questioning what he has done in his position in that regard. 
but there is never any questioning from him in terms of like, yeah, I'm the Iron Patriot. I work for the president. He kind of is the beta for the Sokovia Accords in theory, right? Yeah, because he he he. Because Iron Man straight up just like made that. He was like, "All right, here, you guys could use that, so I could keep working on my own." Yeah. But like again, that they don't touch on that in this movie either. No. Why would they? Why would they focus on Rudy? Who? I think they still haven't focused but on. Again, you're the one who keeps saying like, oh, it's about focusing on the characters. No, 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 no. I'm <laughs> saying, I'm not saying it. I'm saying you stay for the characters. That's different from focus on the characters. Focus is, is if they spent time really developing it. But I, I, it's always hints of it. And it's enough that gets people to stay. That's <sighs> just weak. I I'm love, like, I love the scenes. I love the scenes of them all in a room talking to each other and discussing. And sometimes they're butting heads. Sometimes they're agreeing. I like the scene in the beginning where they're first discussing the Sokovia Accords. And then they're like, uh, we should do this. We shouldn't do that. Here's a little push back and forth between these two personalities. I like, I like the scenes in, I think, Endgame and Infinity War even have those of them like taking note of where they are right now and figure out what's the next move. And then you get a couple of barbs. You get a couple one-liners and it 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 works you get this this movie built off of the relationships well this Wanda, movie is Wanda's where we only start. relationship is with oh, no. clint Wanda's only personal relationship is with clint based off the end of ultron right and they try to force vision in this one they really try to force her relationship with vision feels weird in this movie but her and clint and so she sides with clint right um uh, uh, Vision and Rhodey are Iron Man's dudes, so of course they run with them. Um, you get the little kind of back and forth between Cap and Natasha. You, but you then get Cap and Iron so Man if, butting heads after every Avenger where they do the same exact thing. So if it's literally ends up being, oh, you're my buddy, so I'm going to side with you, where is their personal autonomy when it comes to deciding whether this is ethical because it seems like this movie is trying to make it an ethical question but then doesn't actually do the work of doing it i'm saying that uh they are going with their best friends more of a uh screenwriting sheet of let's move along and i will say winter soldiers a lot of winter soldier is um who can you trust do you trust the rules and the laws that uh, that supposedly are supposed to hold us up or those that you understand who are close to you that you, you've built this connection with. That is where the Natasha Cap relationship was built. No other movie has really done it. Um, and so that's why that, I think, works well here. Is there a problem that you have to watch nine other movies before getting to this? Maybe. But when most of the world is, is that something we should complain about? I don't know. This is the new beast again. Um, I haven't even looked at me. Now. Speaking of script writing decisions, th- there was this one moment that felt like it might have been a like something from a previous draft mm-hmm. that just made it through, even though like there was things written around it that made it not no longer make sense. What? Where there was a moment where, um, at the funeral. Uh, Natasha shows up. Is this what I think it is? And she's like, I didn't want you to be alone. (laughs) 
is that it or do you also have the the thought i had uh falcon was in the room he He went to the the ceremony (laughs) again i think it's 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 trying to remind us of the 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 intimacy of the natasha cap relationship while also throwing away the fact that falcon's like his best friend or whatever and there with him he's there (laughs) But Pawan, she doesn't know. Natasha's really weird in this movie. I didn't like the line when she's fighting Winter Soldier and he basically beats her and she goes, oh, you could have at least recognized me. That was your thought after being fought by this dude who might have killed you? You could have recognized me? I don't remember them fighting in the Winter Soldier and I watched it two days before this movie. I Again, I... I don't know what her character is in these movies. <laughs> she is. <laughs> Natasha and Steve both have no one. And they're looking for people. Steve has no one because 75 years or whatever have passed. She, she's running from her past. And so they are both kind of these loners drifting around. And then they find each other and, and find this platonic relationship between them. Mm-hmm. Both Natasha and Tony want to run from their mistakes and ever possibly being uh, blamed for their mistakes ever again. Mm. Right? I guess. Question. Hmm. Let's talk about the first fight. Um, This... Are you... just, Just to make sure we're talking about... Are you talking about the fight with crossbones yes now did you know crossbones was also in captain america 2 i didn't i watched captain I, america 2 so, recently i did not so um i i recognized his face and i remember the elevator fight because it re-shows up again in uh end game mm-hmm. again i don't remember the fight itself i remember the seconds leading up to it where they just look at each other yeah i don't, I don't <laughs> like that fight as much as a lot of people do I don't love the action too much in Winter Soldier. I think it, it does it does what it needs to, but I, I'm not as passionate about those. Um but yeah, it it I feel like that first fight firmly establishes that yes, you do need to be caught up on all the lore and explanations and all that going into these movies. Was is there an argument that you shouldn't? I don't think was I saying that? I was hope. So I'm just saying from the point of view of someone who just saw this movie in isolation like two days ago. Oh, I see what you're saying. I, see I was saying. lost initially during that fight. And I was like, this is way too long for something that's just supposed to set up the Avengers in action. But then I remembered, oh, yeah, it's that and that. And then, and then I just like, okay. May, may I, what, what was confusing about it? Like what? was was odd and, and it's not that if it was odd it just felt too long for something that where i was viewing it from the perspective of just like oh here is the setup for things to come so it's di- in a sense it's divorced from everything that is about to happen because it's just how it ends is what affects everything else is it not just starting off with a big bang yeah but like you could do that in a more economic way. 
time wise, because when you keep getting explosions for like 10 minutes straight, the uh, novelty and the spectacle of it does wear out mm. after a while. Yes. But I think they find cool things to do with the character powers. I like when Cap's like, let's do it like we practice. And then she like throws him up, uh, Wanda throws him up with her powers. I like uh, Falcon's little little uh, drone thingy. The only I mean, things they did that I enjoyed. For me, the only moment that stood out was when like Natasha was riding in on the bike. And I was like, damn, I could be watching Skyfall right now. <laughs> it's, it's not the strongest sequence in the movie but i think the 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 action is and maybe we have different views in this the numerous cuts and and the pace of it grabs me and gets me excited it doesn't stick with me but it is a roller coaster ride in this theme park of a movie. For me, it just feels like okay, something happened there. Hmm. That's fair. I like it. I like. I, I forgot that the explosion is the dude exploding himself. Yeah, and so it, I thought it looked kind of cool when Wanda comes in like. And tries to conceal it in the ball, but then obviously you know people dying. That's bad. That's bad. People dying. So there's that. Yeah. That is that. Um. I don't know. It's just this. This movie. There's cool stuff in this movie. <laughs> I've slowly, as this podcast has gone on, I'm like, yeah, it's dumb, but it's cool. You know what? I'm glad that at least one of us is getting some joy. <laughs> <laughs> oh because like you know what going into this podcast we were like you know what why do these movies make money let's let's uh talk about it let's dissect it and it's like it's because fun explosions but like if you don't find those explosions fun then what are you really getting out of it man and like but that's think- where i'm at right now i'm questioning i think there's a, a giant question of why the mcu over other movies Right, MCU consistently has entries on this list. While you get something like Transformers, which it's three and four, five isn't on the list. Pirates two and four, three and five aren't on the list. So on and so on. It's it's a weird in, uh, inconsistency with most franchises, and yet this has gone to the point where Avengers, Iron Man three, Avengers two, Cap. We're going to talk about two more Avengers. We're going to talk about Captain Marvel and Black Panther and a Spider-Man. Like, why is this the franchise everyone's going to? You know, there's another franchise that everyone keeps coming to, which is fully explained. But, like, what I find interesting with that is that... Which one? Star Wars. Yes, but... What is the law of, of diminishing returns? Are there like, diminishing returns with Star Wars? Each movie. Financially, yes. Mm. I think Star Wars is a different thing of that. It was just so fucking high. We we discussed that like the first entry of each of the trilogies is the highest grossing movie of the trilogy. Right. Right. 
but somehow the MCU gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Hmm. I guess because that hook that you're talking about, that you stay for the characters and to see what they're up to in the next one. And it's just like, you got to watch the next one to keep up. That's what's causing people to go from like, I want to, to a mentality where they're like, I need to. Yes. But Which also, I'm not about. <laughs> but, you know, we've seen franchises do that and it doesn't work out. DC, like, the DCEU, uh, Fantastic Beasts is, is floundering as it tries to survive and stay relevant for three more movies. Well, hey, you know what? Say what you will about Fantastic Beasts. That script was on sale at Costco. So it must be big enough that like even Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald was bound in millions of copies of books and sold at a Costco. I love that I'm the Harry Potter fan and you're the one, even jokingly maybe, I don't know, defending this. I'm not defending its quality. <laughs> I'm defending its cultural appeal which it very oh. much still has oh yeah if you're a fan of uh, they have samples at Costco right food samples <laughs> also pick up J.K. Rowling's script for the crimes of Grindelwald yeah but like the thing is uh, what, I, what I was trying to say with that is that they, they do sell books at Costco but like they sell like the really, really, really big ones. <laughs> For a second, I thought we were going back to what we were talking before the, no. the Costco thing. But <laughs> <laughs> I need to explain Costco. <laughs> I want to please explain to our audiences. Maybe we have international viewers who don't know what a Costco is. Please explain what Costco so, so is. So Costco is a uh, store that like you need a membership for, but you buy in bulk. So the costs go down. Whoa. <laughs> I think coalesce. And I was like, what does coalesce mean? <laughs> because like they sell, they buy in bulk when it comes to like entertainment properties and stuff like that. They only buy the big, big, big properties in bulk and sell in their store. If you want like some niche titles or some like niche books, like get get not your art house books. You're not gonna yeah. find like some House of Leaves. No, no in there. Walt, no, 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 no. Walt, get the fuck out of here, Walt. Get the fuck out of here, Walt. But like, you'll find your magic tree houses. You'll find your goosebumps. Are you gonna find your magic school, uh, school buses? No, because that's more of a a, really? a TV property. Oh. Uh. But you will, but like when Crimes of Grindelwald came out, those books were there. Both Where to Find Them and Grindelwald were both in that store next to, ne next to each other, stacks and stacks and stacks of them. You were just, you were just pulling up an argument for why we need to shut down all Costco's. <laughs> no, I'm putting up an argument as to like why we need to shut down the cultural appeal of. <laughs> The wizarding world. <laughs> oh. Because then you get Grindelwald at Costco's, which should not be a thing. 
but it's there. Are you telling me that you don't want this incredible opportunity for Mads Mikkelsen? You know what? He's had many incredible opportunities, but like they kept shitting on him by giving him nothing to do. All right. And 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 I'm sick of it. (laughs) Hey, you talk about how the MCU does new characters and they fuck up their villains. This isn't the MCU. He's going to be a villain again. He could do it. Speaking of the MCU, they fucked him up in here too. (laughs) Matt Nicholson, is it in this? Not in this one, but in Doctor Strange, he was I, the was, villain. That was what I was implying. That was what I was referencing. So yeah, here's that. Um, what else? Yeah, yeah. Look at my notes. Look at my notes. Uh, yeah. I liked when small truck went big truck. <laughs> we haven't even touched. <laughs> so, so we we we. I think the most noble thing about this movie when it came out was the fact that it introduced two characters, Black Panther and Spider-Man. And for most of America that didn't watch Ant-Man, I was like, most of the world that didn't watch Ant-Man, it, it introduced uh, Paul Rudd's Scott Lang. Um, some characters, like, as I mentioned, better introduced than others. Black Panther... Great introduction. I like the establishment of the, of the of the father, and you get the sense of the country being this separate place. Uh, uh, he's he's Chadwick, our rest in peace, always incredible as as T'Challa. But then you have Shuind, Paul Rudd, and Tom Holland. You know the thing is like they're most of the characters in this movie are established with just like singular lines here and there. Which is like, this is why I'm here. Which doesn't really give you much. No. And it feels like that's what we get more and more of as these movies go on and they try to keep connecting the characters into other people's movies. Yes. I think of, we we just mentioned Doctor Strange. I think of the weird... Is it Thor who pops up? No, Doctor Strange th- pops up, up in, in Thor, Thor right? Ragnarok. Yeah, I was like, why? I guess to establish. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, those those are the two glaring ones. And this is, I forgot Anthony Mackie shows up in Ant Man. Yeah, you because this? Paul Rudd like fucks around at the Avengers base, doesn't he? Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's why it's the last movie in phase two. For that scene alone. Um, yeah, and he, he's barely in this movie, but he has a lot of great one-liners, uh, Paul Rudd. Oh, you know what? And, and then Anthony Mackie says, like, that was a great audition, but it's not going to happen again. Does that imply that, like, he's not hoping, he's not planning on having Ant-Man on the team overall? <laughs> it sounds like that. How did they know where he was? How did they get there? This so just the setup for that airport fight is just so terrible because yes. it's just like, all right, we need to grab these characters so that they could have that lined up shot where it's like equal on both sides. I feel like that's the main reason why, and it's just clunky how the script gets there. Yes, it's it's not logical for them to fight in an airport oh but it's it's fine they cleared it out 
it's so cleared and convoluted. It's so convoluted how they get there. And like they literally explained it the way that people were complaining about how Batman v Superman explained its final fight. But I don't remember anyone talking about it in this movie. This is not as bad as Batman v Superman. With that fight specifically, it is just as bad with the one line throwaway. It's like, oh, yeah, there's no one here. Oh, I thought you talked about Martha. Oh, no, no. I was talking about what the that is the only thing I remember at the end of Batman v Superman. At the end of Batman v Superman, they like draw him away to like a place that's supposed to be like a dark zone, like uninhabited. But of course, there's like vagrants and people like that, like homeless people find shelter in places where people don't live. I don't and so like, even though they're not on screen, you could like foresee like it's it's a very shoddy throwaway line. Whereas with this one, it's like, oh, yeah, they they cleared out the airport seconds before we arrived. I don't even remember that line happening in this movie. I did have that thought when Wanda like pulls down cars from the parking lot. I'm like, is someone in the car? <laughs> Who's paying for these cars? People need to get back home from the airport. Oh, don't worry. Everyone left. That's good. That's good. And they didn't take their cars. <laughs> I, I don't know what the answer to that is. Because as fucking dumb as it is, there's also a movie where because it goes, goes back to, to how this movie is trying to like talk about to grapple with that aspect of it where like oh uh should we take accountability for the damage we do through our fights and just by showing just offhandedly waving that you can't have it both ways But how do you then have the movie? Then don't raise that question. <laughs> I don't know. At that point, you could just not hand wave it and have them worrying about people during that. They kind of did they, that in they did Ultron. In the first Avenger. Oh, I was going to say the first Avenger. That too. But... Yeah. When I said the first Avenger, I don't mean Captain America the first Avenger. I mean the first <laughs> Avengers movie. I'd like to clarify that to the audiences who are like, wait, what? Um, yeah, it, it feels disingenuous in that sense. That's fair. So I, there's no moment in the, this movie where you go, oh, that's cool. That's a cool moment. I said when small truck becomes big truck. <laughs> I like his line after like, oh, well, it comes after Rhodey, who Rhodey really gets fucked in this movie so often. <laughs> but it comes to Rhodey and Rhodey's like, ah, oh, come on. And then it's like a fire, not a fire truck, but a truck with fire in it. Does that make oh, sense? Oh, no, no, no. It was, ga- it was a, it was a oh, oh, sorry, gas, gas truck. Like- yeah, that yeah. makes more sense than a fire truck without fire in it. <laughs> and then uh, Paul Rudd's like, oh, I thought that was water. I like that. It's funny. Like, I think it's badass when... And I know it's going to happen. But something about the way the music slows down and the way it's edited, when uh, Sebastian Stan grabs that bike mid-drive and, like, gets on it, I'm like, that's cool. 
that's cool. I'm going, sorry for the bike driver, but that's cool. Going back to that, how it establishes that idea of like the hero saying their responsibility. One line that I actually did like uh, was when Vision was talking about how us being these superhuman, like these super beings are drawing people to us. Yes. Which meta wise, when you're working, when you're making a movie like this, you have to come up with a reason why these super people are using these superpowers in a way that's unbidden so that it could be fun and cool. Unbidden as in I'm an idiot. I'm sorry, please explain that word. In the sense of like um, they don't feel the need to hold back so that you can see all the awesome spectacle. Hmm. Well, you get you get uh, Natasha and Clint later on being like, oh, you're holding back the punches and then Wanda comes out of nowhere and fucks with Natasha. I, I guess... But again, th- those feels like one line things. So you you're, you're, are you saying more of when it comes to big spectacle, why they would they would need to uh, you need an equal force to fight them? Um, I'm just saying that was an interesting idea that I don't think they even toyed with afterwards. In this movie, yes. Because is it not just the collective, all the villains coming after them? Whether it's this Loki, whether it's Ultron, whether it's Thanos, whether it's... I'm talking about in this movie. Oh, in this movie. Oh, well, that's different. But can you argue that Zemo's not that? But more on an on a, a intellectual level than a physical level? Because he drives them to then want to destroy each other? Hmm... I don't know because that's there. You can't emotionally relate to Zemo because everything he does, everything that is related to that character is just explained in like monologues of it, people is, explaining his character. So it just doesn't feel substantial he, at all. He, he has that voicemail with his uh, wife. He listens to it early on in the movie, doesn't he? The first time. Because then he does it again right before he's about to kill himself. And then Black Panther stops him. Hmm. I don't know. I just I just feel like the centerpiece of this movie, the uh, airport scene, just completely disregards the themes that it's trying to set up. Oh, yeah. It doesn't make sense that you want someone to go with you and you fight them and punch them. It doesn't. But it's and cool. just everything related to that scene just does not work for me overall. And it's, I find it hilarious because it is like the center point of the movie. Mm. Like it's technically on the poster behind you. It is. That was the selling point of this movie. And yeah, it, that's fair. It doesn't make sense that they're fighting this giant battle in an airport. On a, on a literal, why are they at the airport? But also, like, was this the only way you could get each other to listen to each other? You know that if even if you beat them, they're going to resent you for this. So, I don't know. I do... My favorite moment of this 
is the the trio fight between Bucky, Cap, and Iron Man. It, it it reminds me. I can't believe we're going back. I'm going back to this again. But the final Star Wars fight in uh, Phantom Menace. Can you were it, talking last week about how you don't remember that. <laughs> I I remember the sensation. <laughs> I don't remember what the fuck happens, but there's just this. It it feels more ferocious than I expect from a Hollywood blockbuster movie. Hmm. I don't know what are your what are your thoughts on that final fight? I really like that forty second shot that was used in the trailer, where it was just like Iron Man in the middle and the two people on the other side of the shield kept bouncing between all three of them. I like that you say did the I like that you said combat. they showed it in the trailer as if yeah. like yeah it's still cool. I don't know if that ruins a movie if it's in the trailer. It's not but like I I bring that up because that's actually the thing that excited me to see this movie when it came out. Hmm. The fact that they did have one stable shot of action like that. And I was hoping to have more of it but no, I, even in that fight it was just that for the most part. Do you think part of it is the fact that they have so many special effects? Cause because I I I I you know the thing with that is like I feel like a movie like Shazam, that was mostly special effects, but it still kept steady shots. How how large are the the effects? And again, I don't know how how fucking visual effects work. <laughs> I mean, we're gonna get into this later on when we talk about the later two Avengers movies because man, does it get ridiculous? <laughs> we're gonna have such varied opinions. <laughs> I like I know this for already. We, we're gonna have such varied opinions on that. Um. Uh, but yeah, but the thing is, it's not the special, the visual effects that they really cut around. They cut around the hand-to-hand combat yeah. the most. As we got into this discussion, I was thinking of like Natasha and Clint fighting or Natasha fighting anyone. And it's just like, could, could you not get a better stunt coordinator to actually show it? Is that the coordinator or the direction? I mean, it's just like... a just the culmination of that entire team. Could they not do more? What if because that's I what know, they wanted to do? I, I know that the way that these things are shot is that it seems like um, they bring on a B team for these action scenes to like shoot them. And like, is that how it's it. shot? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I read or heard somewhere where that was the case. If it's not, I'm misremembering, but I do. Re- yeah. I, I think of Jackie Chan, which is going to sound really weird. But Jackie Chan talks about how when he's working in China, he's such a big name that he's allowed to do whatever he wants. And so he's allowed to do these long takes over and over and over again, take his time, pick as much money as he wants because they trust that he's going to do it. And so he's able to do these incredible stunts and these long one takes. But it comes to America and there's so much money put into these movies they're they're on such a rigid schedule that have to be done ASAP 
that they don't allow them to do these takes, do these long tracking shots. Okay. So if that's the case, how are you not spending more time on what's supposed to be the initial draw of these movies? Or is it just that they're at that point where they don't need to worry about that anymore? No, it's it's done then on the editing. Can it not be, can it, this is a genuine question. Can you not applaud the editing even more for tricking so much of the mass audience? I guess, but like, I don't know. It, it ends up feeling more hollow That's when fair. you are trying to actually gleam anything from it. But it's not... It's these movies are never, hey, we're actually fighting. It's, hey, here's the illusion of fighting. Right? So, if something like John Wick is about, hey, we're doing these stunts, something like uh, a Jackie Chan movie is, hey, we're actually doing this. But it's, it's the illusion of making it feel real that sells these movies, right? And this is where I come back to my Transformers comparison. But Transformers is is over the top, over the top. Which, in a sense, I think works better. Mm. Because, like, I do really get a sense of spectacle from those. Uh, that, those are the ones that mind my numb, mind my numb, numb my mind. And maybe it's because the action in Transformers is mainly the Transformers themselves rather than these, uh, the, the human characters. And although, yeah, they have their masks on, so there's probably a lot of CGI for the actual characters. But my mind says, oh, this is a human inside the suit. I can relate to that more than a robot okay you know what fair enough but like we're gonna have we're gonna thing, we're gonna be discussing this for like 18 more marvel movies my main problem especially in this movie is that you don't really get much of a spectacle in the fights because the they don't really use their powers in many fun ways i think you get a lot of the the freshness of black panther Spider-Man and uh, Ant-Man. I think you get a little of that in that final fight with uh, Cap Shield and and a little of what Iron Man can do, especially when he's losing his 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 uh, what his suit can uh, abilities. I think Natasha and Clint, what can they do? And Again, then, most then, of the fights in this movie just feel like I'm overpowering you, which is it, that not what they're trying to do? Yes, but if you're trying to sell me on spectacle, just being like doesn't do much. Well, we don't focus on Wanda and Vision, who I think are the two you get that type of thing with often. I think there's there's enough to. Um, characters you love turning on each other whether or not you love the characters is a different thing 
but I think there's something to that. I think there's something to. I don't know. Ant Man turns giant. <laughs> that's that's fun. I guess. But like honestly, <laughs> if we're gonna go into like the practical effects of that, I'd rather watch the Lord of the Rings movies again. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> I feel like most people will, will say that they like the Lord of the Ring movies better than this. Like that's not a controversial take. Yeah, but just like from the point of view where it's like it doesn't feel that like great, even that like that big in the moment for me. What does uh, I I'm lost? Which movie are you talking about? This Taft one or this one? It yeah. doesn't feel as grand of a scale. Yeah, or like as a spectacle either. Is that because there's so few people? And the fights are more intimate. There's a lot of one-on-one fighting. I, Again, no, I, it's I'm, just I'm in the way they, in the way they've been, they showed the powers. They mm-hmm. didn't really have any fun ways of going about it. Like Spider-Man doesn't really do many interesting things in this fight, and like I feel like he's one of the ones that has some really fun powers. Yes, but this is the first time you've seen Spider-Man use his webs against other superheroes. And I think Yippee. this movie was able to, because it's his first time in the MCU, just his appearance enough is enough of a spectacle. And then you get to develop it and you get to learn his other powers in the next movie, especially as he has the Iron Man suit in the next movie. Mm. I feel bad. I feel like I was, I was, we're at butting heads a lot in this episode. Because we're in a civil war, Ms. Simpson. Whoa, I is this the start like of the episode right again? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Listener, I know you think you actually hit uh, rewind on your podcast, but no, we're still here. <laughs> yeah, I, but at the end of this movie, I was just tired. That's fair. So, so this movie does paint Tony as being wrong, right? Yes. I just want to make sure. Nice little Stanley cameo. Always fun to see him in the movie. I completely forgot about this film's post-credit scenes. Bucky's oh, yeah. in Wakanda now, and which, <laughs> which I guess it looks like he's going to be in Black Panther, and then he's not until the post-credit scene. I think. <laughs> and Spidey has a, a, a Iron Man suit version thing. You know, I, I remember watching Infinity War and being like, why is Bucky in Wakanda? And it's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> yep. it was because all the insubstantial post-credit scenes were like, he's in Wakanda. <laughs> I'm really curious if Bucky's an actual character in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Because he is not in these movies. And no offense to Spatch and Stan, I enjoy what he does. Honestly, it just seems like the TV shows at this point are just trying to fill in where the movies are just failing to actually build characters. Yeah, but they've they've never... As we mentioned, and I'm not saying this is a good thing, but as we mentioned, they're so overbloated that they have been able to focus on one. What's what's the name of the second Captain America movie? 
the Winter Soldier. The point of that is that he's so <laughs> mysterious, though. You're not supposed to know much about Winter Soldier until it unravels. I, and from my memory, he was only in like two or three scenes in that movie. Uh, he's in. He's in. He's in more of that movie. It's because he says nothing and is brooding and is kind of uninteresting. Which but, again, like, and the thing not- is, most of these Marvel. The thing that upsets me the most is that most of these Marvel movies kill off their villains. So, like, even say they decide to introduce an interesting villain that they do nothing with. Oh, too late. He's dead. <laughs> You can't how even many, do something interesting later. How many of those? Um, I'd say the vi- Whiplash. Whoa, I haven't even seen that movie. I was not re- waiting for that response. Because um, <laughs> Michael B. Jordan, uh, uh, a Killmonger. You know, they get better at it in Phase 3. I'll give them that. But, but, but like, Michael Keaton's still alive. Uh, um, do they kill Kate Blanchett in Thor Ragnarok? I think so, yeah. Yeah, well, that's a shame. But, like, but again, like, that's later. I'm not talking face three, I'm talking Emo's still alive. Uh, um, uh, Ultron's dead. Yeah, who's the Ultron. villain in Iron Man 3? Oh, Iron Man 3 had a sucky villain, yeah, exactly. Um, which I like what they did with Mandarin, and I'm kind of upset. Apparently, they are going to introduce an actual Mandarin later. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> Again, oh, they're just hey, demolishing hey, hey. Iron Man three. Does that does that mean does that mean Ben Kingsley is can he still show up? Can we get both Mandarins? Everyone's happy with it if both Mandarins are there. Um. Like, no if anything, like that villain. was the one example of them subverting the idea of the sucky villain that they had up until that point that was actually good because they subverted it. But then... <laughs> but then it was still a shit villain. Yeah. Like, Which I look- heard, uh, apparently... Um, who, who was the woman in that one? The uh, one who was uh, working... The botanist. Oh, oh fuck. Apparently, she was supposed to be the main villain of that movie initially, but oh, of course, oh. the uh, the uh, person the in charge of-, of Marvel at the time was like, "Oh, we can't have a war." <laughs> the dude who hated um, women and people of color. <laughs> Ooh, Rebecca Hall. That's Rebecca Hall. I forgot that was Rebecca Hall. Yeah, she she was initially supposed to be the main villain of that movie, and that would have made so much more sense and would have been much stronger. Have you heard about her upcoming movie? What? Rebecca Hall. So I just read of this recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's directing this movie based off a book uh, called Passing. The premise, according to Wikipedia, mixed race childhood friends reunite in middle class adulthood and become increasingly involved with one another's lives and insecurities. While Irene identifies as African American and is married to a black daughter, Claire passes as white and has married a prejudiced but wealthy white man. Uh... I feel like I just saw that in the latest episode of This Is Us, but like obviously not exactly the same, but yeah. Great cast, Tessa Thompson, Ruth Nega, Andre Holland, Alexander Skarsgård, Bill Camp. I'm excited for it. Rebecca Hall, that's a little, our little Rebecca Hall talk. 
But yeah, there's like um, Mads Mikkelsen. <laughs> I'm yeah, still yeah. mad about that. Hold on. We know the real villain in that movie. Tilda Swinton's casting. <laughs> I saw so You know how people point up uh, actors that like, understood the assignment? Someone did one for Tilda, and the first role they show is her in uh, Doctor Strange. I'm like, hold up. <laughs> she did not understand that assignment at all. We love Tilda, but come I mean, on. my favorite example of that meme is like, <laughs> Jared Leto never understands the assignment. <laughs> what are you talking about? Golden Globe and Sagonomony for the little things, Jared Leto. <laughs> That was him throughout the entirety of the little thing. <laughs> I don't fucking know. <laughs> I was kind of on board on that movie at first. Like the first 10, 20 minutes, I'm like, okay, I can get on board on where this is going. And it loses everything by the end. Because it just meanders for most of its runtime. God. And it just wants you to sympathize with police. Would you rather <laughs> watch this or the little things again? this because at least at least the little things at least this mm, i was about to say that at least this didn't try to pull off of like a cab low key moment but like this low low key does real i think this is i mean it's like anti-authority yeah yeah so it does low low key a cab, but really, in a sense, aren't these heroes their own sense of authority? That's fair. That's, that's an interesting deduction to make. Uh, I like when Tony is visiting them in in their prison, and then oh, we're gonna come back nowhere, to that in a later segment. <laughs> but out of nowhere, Falcon's like, "Oh, are you a good cop or bad cop? Well, if you're a good cop, you better go all." Mark Furman on me or something? I was like, I was not expecting a Mark Furman reference, a reference to the OJ trials in this movie. Just want to bring that up. Um, the FedEx product placement in this movie at the end. What was it? Stanley's like a FedEx. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And you see the logo on the truck, and as Tony opens the package, uh, honestly. I don't know why. At this point, I feel like my mind associates Ant Man in these movies with like delivery product drivers. Place. Wait, with what? <laughs> with oh, delivery drivers. I like to say product placement. <laughs> that too, because of course, like all of his things that he makes miniature or big are like things with the names of the product on it. Come on. Are you telling me? Are you telling me that you did not need a Hello Kitty Pez dispenser? In your movie, you know what? <laughs> We're gonna go back to Transformers for a second because one of the things that Michael Bay said in response to people talking about his product placement in the movies is just like that—that's there in the real world. We are inundated with this stuff. I'm just presenting it as it is, and I'm getting money for it. But like, that is the world. <laughs> I'll be honest, that's not a bad answer. That's not a terrible answer. Oh, we didn't mention the helicopter pole scene. It pulls dumb. a helicopter. <laughs> it's dumb. Kind of cool. It's dumb. Um, 
I like the sound design of this this film. I like the noises of of the powers, Bucky's arm doing stuff, the claws on Black Panther doing stuff. I like that. You know what? <laughs> I'm gonna say it. Mm. I'm gonna say it. You're not gonna be happy. What? <laughs> Given the loud explosions of this, I'd rather go back to Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> Oh, hold up. I do like that. I do like that. That's a fun one. That's a good one. I noticed when uh, Cap goes to Wanda's room, she has a guitar and um, a music stand with sheet music open. And so I'm like, of course, this is setting up the fact that Wanda is into the arts, thus setting up WandaVision. It makes perfect sense now. Um, oh, there was something else I wanted to bring up. Oh, whatever. I did like, um, I like that the Russo brothers throw in a community, a community, uh, cameo every time they direct a Marvel movie. So this one, you get Jim Rash popping up for a quick second in the beginning. Oh, I, I muted myself by accident. Did you hear my sentence? I, I heard, uh, about you enjoying him getting a sentence at the min- beginning cameo. A sentence at the beginning? Yes. He, Did he you mute yourself too? The Jim Rasham community is popping up. Alfie Woodard is in this briefly. She's the the mom of the dude, the kid who's killed. That was cool. Uh, Alfie Woodard's terrific. Uh, John Canny is uh, is it Canny? John, I don't know. I feel like we've personally had a conversation about him. He's uh, Chadwick's dad in this movie. Have we talked about him? I feel like we've talked about the fact that he's a playwright. Because I I, Googled, I went on his oh. Wikipedia page last night. And I'm like, oh, I remember talking to Paul about this once outside of the podcast. Uh, what what has he written? I'm looking right now. Looking, looking, looking. Uh, How do you spell uh, it? Uh, K-A-N-I. The other place he was in. Can't find it. Wikipedia sucks when you want to learn about plays. Like they list all the movies, but they don't list plays and stuff they do. But um, we'll see it when we see it. Maybe yeah. we'll yeah. we'll we'll discuss him in Black Panther because he yeah. pops up in that too, and he's 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 very good in this. Um, there's something I wanted to bring up, but I don't know what it was, and that's going to bother me. Oh well. Oh, <laughs> the de aging Disney technology was in this movie. When uh, when it's like young Tony talking to Oh, yeah, yeah. That was weird. It did look great. I mean, they could have played around with that, being like the technology in his machine isn't all there. Yeah, but then you're basically admitting that it's not incredible. Yeah, but I. why is that the one time they don't like add in a line to like get ahead of the cinema sins? Why is that the one time they don't do that? They they want they that was probably the best they could do in the moment. It's not that it's bad. It's just not, you know, it, it improved as it went on. We'll talk. I'm sure we'll talk about it in Captain Marvel. Oh, I'm sure we'll talk about it in uh, the Star Wars movies. Oh, we are Rogue One. <laughs> Rogue One. Rise of Skywalker does it. Um, yeah. 
And uh, I, I just want to put it out, out there. Every one of the actors does great work in this movie. Like, I yeah. don't think there's anyone half-assing it, which you would think after 19 of these movies, someone might. But whether it's ScarJo, Sebastian Stan, Anthony Mackie, Jenna Mariner, Elizabeth Olsen, and Chris Evans and Rob Dryan Jr. are really terrific in these movies. Like, even, I don't know, even in, like, a weaker movie, like Ultron, they, they're terrific. And, and I think this is better than Ultron, I'd say. Maybe you know what? We'll find out. Um, you know which movie spectacle in the Marvel Cinematic Universe I enjoyed more than this one? Which one? Thor: The Dark World. I don't remember anything about that movie. <laughs> the final fight. They were heavily inspired by Portal. You would think that would make me like it, but I have no clue what happens in that movie. So, like, they literally jump between like this one like a uh, community area, like a college, and then they go like straight into Asgard, and then straight into like outer space and stuff like that through these portals. It's been seven years. Are we about to get those? You know, Thor: Dark World really is the best Marvel movie. Takes okay. No, it's again no. shit villain that that they killed off. That could have been so much better. It, they had Christopher Eccleston. Come on, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like it's been seven years, and everyone kind of agrees that's the that's the worst one. Like that's gonna happen soon. I mean, I like it better than some of the others. <laughs> that's fair. I genuinely have no memories of that movie except uh, when they kill Rene Russo. Thor's mom. I remember that being like, oh, did that. All right. Well, I think that's it. Yeah. 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 Would you say this is a perfect movie? No. Really? I thought with what I you know, right? About, From this entire conversation, you would think I was like, I thought this was the number one movie in the universe. No. But no. I thought. Because no movie's perfect. Yeah, no, no movie's perfect. Well, and it's time and for us to improve this movie. There are ways that uh, movies can be fixed, and we yes. can do that. Masinson, how would yeah. you fix this movie? I will start. All right. Uh, so in the opening uh, action sequence, uh, Cap's like, all right, Wanda, just like we practiced, and then she throws him in the air, right? So I want uh, Cap to go, all right, Wanda, just like we practiced, and then close up uh, well, not close-up, but a shot kind of zooms in on her face and then freezes on a close-up of, oh, did you hear that car speeding by my window? I did. Whoa. That was the camera closing up and landing on her face. So it lands on her face, and then she's, like, really scared. And then flashback. And it's a montage of her trying to throw him up stuff. And they practice. So there's, like, a lot of takes where it doesn't work right. Oh, no. But then it ends with the time that they do perfect it. And Steve's like, hey, Wanda, we got to run. We got this mission to do. You know what that reminds me a lot of? What? Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. (laughs) How they needed to keep rehearsing that so that they could avoid the uh, poor actors from falling multiple times. Well, it turns out they couldn't avoid it. They didn't rehearse it. Did you know a lot of the cast in that movie, uh, in that in that musical, the main cast, will go on to do Hades Town on Broadway in the opening cast of Hades Town? 
That sounds they amazing. Sh- I they need share to watch like, both of them back to back. They share like three or four cast members in the original cast. <laughs> so yeah, that's my first fix. And then they show them getting it right. And Cap's like, all right, Wanda, let's go. We have this mission to do. And then cut to her just staring blankly. And Cap's like, hey, Wanda, come on, throw me. And then she throws him, right? And then uh, later on, uh, it's a civil war, right? And yet, so messy. They destroy everything. Not so civil at all. And so... Not, not as civil as our war that we got going on right now. And so they get to the airport. And Admiral, who shows up? I don't know. Maria Hill? She's there to do anything they need her to. So sure, let's do her. She shows up. Mm-hmm. And she's on a stage. On the stage, there's two podiums, right? Maria Hill, do you know? She was the president of her high school's debate club. <laughs> so the Civil War is not a battle of fists, but rather a battle of the mind. Mm-hmm. As we all know, Zemo, not a punchy villain, but an intellectual villain. And so this is a test of their intellectual states. And so it's a debate battle at the end. Uh, sorry, not at the end, in the middle. All right? Mm-hmm. It's a debate battle, not a fist battle. Does Zemo show up at any point during that battle? No. Zemo doesn't know where they are. Zemo's... Oh, oh. so sporadically thought this movie after... Let's say starting with the debate battle to the end of the movie. You get shots of Zemo just sitting outside of that building at the end waiting for them to show up <laughs> just waiting it's just a, d- a debate battle not a, a fist battle no fisticuffs well, i mean Z- they don't have to fight zemo if he shows up just like oh no no i mean in the middle in the, in the middle okay yeah, yeah. yeah and then at the end you do get the fight between the trio but you know all right and then <laughs> as we know wanda loves the arts and so after the first post credit scene, a song begins. It's Wanda was singing the song. It's an original song written for the film. Written what by were the two post credit scenes. It's uh, Bucky and then Spidey. Oh, yeah. Which cool. That tease of Wakanda is pretty badass. Yeah. So yeah, post credit scene sung by Elizabeth Olsen with her guitar. It's an acoustic song written by Jeremy Renner. And that's it. You gotta live for now. Nah. That's a callback to the first Avenger movie. I think that's when that, brought, that came up. Maybe. <laughs> so that's how I fixed this movie. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what, Miss Simpson? I got some fixes too. Ooh. So let's let's talk about that uh that airplane battle. airport battle for a bit tony before going to the airport he's like you know what let me pick up this kid and then uh what what i what i do is uh he'd go into the kid's room and then he'd have a conversation with him and just be like you're not ready and then just leave that's it that's what i do with that uh (laughs) and then uh with black panther I'd have Tony just send him the USB file 
that has all the information about who actually was behind the bomb. And he'd be like, bet. So like he never fights with Bucky. He just goes and talks to Zemo. <laughs> I like that. And then so what 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 were the big movie what were the big superhero movies that came out around uh, the time of this movie? 2016? Batman v Superman, Deadpool. We had uh, Batman v Superman. X-Men? Was it X-Men what was Apocalypse the, this what year? was the other DCEU movie that came out during this time? Oh. The Squad, Squad Up? Yeah. Are they uh, a some suicide kind of, squad? Some kind of a suicide squad? And uh, you know, the Batman v Superman movie led so well directly into Suicide Squad. And uh, there's there's this one scene in this movie where like half half the people involved are behind bars. And what what was what was that on uh, Wanda's neck? Something was blinking. Mayhaps it be a bomb that would go off if he, she doesn't do what <laughs> her <laughs> boss tells her to do. Mayhaps. so at that point instead of tony being like you i know i messed up he'd be like you guys really messed up and now i'm your new boss and you're gonna be my suicide squad (laughs) is the other suicide squad also in the prison what do you mean the other one no no this is parallel universes still that's dc this is Marvel. Okay. It, they're, they just so happen to be thinking the same thing at the same time. Because like oh, we were talking, we were talking about how this movie and I Batman see. v Superman were talking about the whole, uh, you know, individual life in wake of a big battle thing. So now go on to the next step. You got to set up the next one as well. I see. That's genius. Well done. Well done. Do you have any more? Is that it? That, that's it. That's well it. done. Well done. <laughs> that was a great one at the end. Wow. I think we made this movie much better. Yeah. Yeah. But how better than the original? If we made it better, how mm. good was the original state? Do you know what I'm saying? That's what I was trying to say. Juan, well, it's time, time for the most important segment of our show because we know evaluating art is not about opinions. No, not at all. It's about objective truth. Oh, where did the Zoom call go? <laughs> it seems I have vanished from the sense of screen. It's fine. All good. Juan, count down from three, please. Three, two, one, go. Time to rank this movie. All right. As we do, flip a coin. Heads. <laughs> count down again, please. Just press the button. Trying to have some suspense in here, right? It's heads. Wow. It's heads. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> All right, go on. Last week, we talked about J.J. Abrams' Star Wars The Force Awakens, number 13 on the Billion Dollar Movie Club ranking. Oh, do you like this movie better or worse than Star Wars The Force Awakens? Gonna have to say worse. I know, shocking. Actually, I am kind of shocked by that. Do you like this better or worse than Titanic? Uh, worse. All right. Better or worse than Jurassic World? Ooh. That's a tough one. Hmm. So on the one hand, mm-hmm. yes, Jurassic World 
is a much stupider movie. <laughs> and yes, it does have that weird relationship between Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt. Mm-hmm. But it didn't try to be more than it could actually handle. Mm, okay. I'll give you that. I'm going to say worse. All right. How are we doing this? Do you like this better or worse than Frozen? Worse. Better well, or worse? It would be worse than Hobbit in that case, which it's, st- it's still worse. Better or worse than Minions? I'm seeing what's underneath Minions, and I don't want to do it. Do you, like you know better, did, do you like I this did, better or worse than Minions? I, you know what? I had a jolly good time with Minions. I did. I didn't it's think worse was, than Minions. I thought that was going to be obviously your answer. I didn't think <laughs> have internal conflict with that. Okay, well, we haven't been this low on the list in a while. Do you like this better or worse than Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest? I like it better. Wow. Dead Man's Chest. <laughs> I didn't think we were going this low. Wow. Huh. So Min 35... You know, this is where the Marvel movies started to really ramp up its interconnectivity. But for me, this is where my fatigue started setting in. I, I think, and I, I mentioned this earlier, I think this is when they start unifying a bit in tone and atmosphere. And I think eventually you do get your Thor Ragnaroks, you get your Spider-Man Homecomings, you get your Black Panthers, where there's a sense of individuality, but it, it's very much lost in these ones. So min 35, max 36, there's one of two options. The number we get is 35. Captain America Civil War, 35. Uh, Marvel Studios, Captain America Civil War, mind you. I don't think that's for this one. Yes, it is. On the Disney Plus, it said Marvel Studios, Captain America Civil War. Wikipedia doesn't say that. When when I started the movie and like the top left corner, it says what the name of the movie is. It says Marvel Studios, Captain America Civil War. That's crazy. (laughs) Let's 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 go down the ranking. Wait, hold uh, on. What's that? So how do, how do you want to do this? Because Disney Plus says Iron Man three with a number, but in the end it says three spelled out. <laughs> it's fine the way it is. Okay. Start us off at number forty-seven. Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. At 46, we have Alice in Wonderland. Oh God, I forgot we did that movie. <laughs> number 45, Toy Story 3. At number 44, Avatar. 41, <laughs> 41, Transformers Dark of the Moon. At number 40, Avengers Age of Ultron. 38, Transformers Age of Extinction. 37, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. 35, Captain America Civil War. 34, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. 33, The Dark Knight Rises. 32, The Dark Knight. 31, The Marvel's Marvel. Mm, take two. <laughs> 31, Marvel's The Avengers. 30, Minions. 28, The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey. 27, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, Part 2. 26, Jurassic Park. 25, Iron Man 3. 24, Frozen. 22, Jurassic World. Tied at number 21, Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Jordan Peele's Us, and number 19, Titanic. 13, Star Wars The Force Awakens. Number 3, Lord of the Rings Return of the King. Number 2, Furious 7. Number 1, Skyfall. And that's how it crumbles. 
Do we stand tall? Yes, we stand very tall, like Ant-Man. We face it all at the Skyfall. What a good movie Skyfall is. Yeah. What a good boomer movie. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Billion Dollar Movie Club, where we look at movies and say, why did you make money? Uh, Subscribe to us on the YouTubes, the Spotify's. Is it Apple Podcast? It's and you Google know what? Podcast. If you feel like it, email us. But since what's that email again? Oh, the email. Uh, billion underscore movie club at Civil War is better than Pawan thinks it is, but it's not that great. It's good, not incredible. I think other people think of it too highly. Uh, some people think of it too lowly, but somewhere you in know the what? middle at underscore squarespace.com. And then add it to that. You know what? Is this lower than Transformers? Either Transformers movie? If it is, good. Juan, <laughs> <laughs> just so they hear it, can you repeat that email address one more time? <laughs> Billion underscore movie club at uh, Civil War is better than Pawan thinks it is, but it's not great. But, you know, it's okay. <laughs> Dot com. And then added to that, you have to add the words and added to that. Uh, is this movie lower ranked than Transformers? If so, good. I don't know why I like this bit so much. But I like it. Oh, okay. Shout out to Max Lizamacchio for the art. Yeah, shout out to Max. I don't know why I like that so much. (laughs) Uh, Join us next week where we talk about Zootopia. Zootopia. It's nice to have a movie where I don't have to catch up on 19 movies. It's nice to have a movie less than two hours. Oh, that's really nice. (laughs) I will say, this is the longest we've had in a while. Yeah. So that was nice. Like, we hit a good two-hour point for a while. And then I think Star Wars maybe be 10, 15 minutes longer than that. And this is half hour. I mean, um, I'd rather rewatch Titanic than this. Titanic is so good. <laughs> well, that was the podcast. Thank you. Join us next week for Zootopia on the Disney Plus streaming service. Much like all the movies we're going to talk about that came out this year. Oh, yeah. This is a month of Disney. Actually, I think even no next year starts with the uh, Fate of the Furious. So, yeah, a whole month of Disney. Well, no, uh, next year starts with Beauty and the Beast, and then we get Furious 8. Is Beauty and the Beast before Fa- uh, Furious? Oh, I want to watch The Fate of the Furious already. <laughs> I've been holding it for the, the week, but I'm like, I want to watch it. <laughs> I might I might rewatch all of them before Fate of the Furious. <laughs> uh, but until then. I have been Pawan Metha. I'm Christian Missons. Wait, you you are or you have been? Because I have been Poan Metha. I don't know who I will be, but I have been. Anybody got some orange slices? I'm Black Widow, baby. Pew, 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 pew. You know, we could just say under ruse and that's it. No, because I know how I'm going to go after. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, fine. You do the thing.
on the bruise. <laughs> okay, that time I, I can't hear anything. Wait. Let's fuck it then. Spend 15 minutes on this bullshit. <laughs> this is the other post credit scene. 